Our first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Y'all know this one. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and then there was morning the first day. Our second scripture passage today is from John 14. Super appropriate for this week after Easter. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, I am so, so overjoyed this morning to, uh, one, not have to preach this week, it's lovely. I love the task of preaching, I do, but for, it's also lovely to rest. It's been a wonderful week. Two, I am so overjoyed to have Monica with us this morning, the Reverend Monica. Um, Monica and I met earlier this year. She started uh, weirdly hanging around at Pub Theology (laughs) all the time, (laughs) Uh, and she's Bunky, and she's smarter than I am, and she writes a blog, which means that she's awesome, and I don't know how <laughs> anybody who writes a blog has time to do it. Um, welcome her this morning. So good morning, Kingstown Communion. I am just so thankful to be here this morning, and um, one of the reasons I have time to write a blog is... Um, It is simply because I'm on a leave of absence right now, so I actually have some more time. Um, But I'm just grateful to be here with you all this morning, and I'm especially grateful to be opening up your new sermon series on the Apostles' Creed this morning. This morning we're going to be talking about um, that ancient creed, but specifically the first part of it. We're going to be talking about what does it mean to believe in God the Father? What does it mean to believe in God the Creator of heavens and earth? And what does it mean? What do these belief statements mean? We're going to explore what it means to put limited and nuanced human language around a limitless, eternal, 
divine and mysterious God as we look at the first section in that creed this morning. Um, like Pastor Michelle said, I'm, I'm a pastor in the Virginia Conference of the United Methodist Church, with you, which you all are part of. Um, and I have been hanging around K- Kingstown Communion for the past couple of years um, because I just am really inspired and in awe of what you all are doing right here in this community. I, I love... Um, the vision of your church. And I truly believe that the way that you all gather for worship and that you gather around tables and you gather um, out in your community and then you go, you're serving, you're packing meals, um, you're over at the produce station, you're embedded in your community. The way that you all have figured out how to gather and go, I believe is truly what we're supposed to be doing as the church of Jesus Christ. So I'm just inspired by you all in your ministry here in Kingstown. So Some of y'all might remember um, a now defunct segment um, on NPR called This I Believe. Do any of y'all remember that? No? Some of you? Okay. So This I Believe was a weekly segment on NPR, and it ran from about 2005 to 2008, um, and then it moved over to satellite stations until about 2014, um, and you can still hear it now. It's on archived um, podcasts on their website. Um, But This I Believe featured people like you and I, just everyday folks, and they would share their belief statements. And some of these belief statements were poetic, some were simple prose, some were lamentations, um, some had kind of like a science fiction-y feel to them. But all of them, regardless of their style, shared something in common. And namely, these essays that were only about four to five minutes and they were delivered by the person who wrote them on the air, Namely, these essays each shared what made life meaningful. What makes life worth living? What are your underlying beliefs that motivate your faith and your life? These these essays contained often an element of mystery. They um, contained tangible observations, what each of these people were observing and seeing in their own life. They often included a logical or scientific foundation to them. And all of them, all of them were grounded in either personal or communal experience. And this segment, this I believe, was so touching, so powerful, that teachers from around the country began asking, how can I incorporate writing belief statements into my curriculum, oftentimes in public schools throughout our country? And if you go to their webpage today, you'll see that they have on there, even though the show has been off the air since 2008, they designed an entire curriculum. They have curriculum for middle schoolers and high schoolers and college-age students and lifelong learners that teach them how to craft belief statements. How and why could a four- to five-minute segment that was aired on public radio one time a week that featured regular old people like you and me, how could that generate enough interest that educators and people from all over were reaching out and decided that they needed to uh, design an entire curriculum because something that was communicated in those four to five minutes was of immense value to their students in their lives. So what was that something? So I'd like to propose that, you know, being able to articulate our beliefs and understand why we believe as we do 
is a profound and life-giving exercise. What do you believe and why? Do you believe that we're all simply here by chance, a product of a random collision of particles? Or do you believe, even doubtfully believe, that there might be something more than that? What or whom do you place your faith in? And why? These are questions that will and do take a lifetime to sort out. But for those of us in the church, as part of the body of Christ, we stand on the shoulders of all who have gone before us. And much ink and much blood has been spilled over sorting out the basic beliefs of the church universal. And today, as we talk about this ancient creed from about the 4th century, a creed that is designed in a Trinitarian fashion, meaning that there are statements about God the Father, statements about God the Son, and statements about God the Spirit. This is a statement of faith, and it's given to us in a series of I Believe statements. And today, we're going to talk about I Believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. So I believe in God the Father. In the Old Testament texts, the term Father appears as reference to God, and it only does so in the Old Testament about about 10 to 15 times. But whenever the term Father appears in reference to God, it is almost always in reference to God's relationship with Israel. We witness familial language, an emphasis on relationships, and a God who is demonstrably interpersonal and caring. And in the New Testament, Jesus refers to God as Father in all of the Gospels. There are over 150 instances of Jesus using Father as a relational title for God. So we cannot, nor should we try, to escape naming God as Father. There is a unique relationship between Father God and God the Son, and that relationship and the relational nature of God is what is apparent in Scripture. God is relationship. God is the epitome of relationship, and that is no more fully apparent to us than in the Trinity. However, we do have to note that any and all language that we use about God is going to fall short. It's impossible with our human limitations to accurately capture, with words, mind you, a limitless, divine, eternal God. So we use metaphor and analogy and illustration. God is Father does not mean that God is a father like any earthly father that any of us have had. And that's a good thing for a lot of people. It's a good thing for for those who may not have loving memories of their earthly father. It's a good thing for those in whom the whole idea of father conjures up hurt and neglect and abandonment or worse. And God as father certainly doesn't mean that God is male. Instead, like theologian uh, Jürgen Moltmann suggests, God is like a motherly father. God gives birth, births the universe. God 
connects to us. God attaches to us. God desires relationship. God nurtures. God builds up. God disciplines. And God protects. God, as Father, desires the best from all of humankind. And as we heard in our gospel passage today, Jesus told the disciples that anyone who has seen him has in fact seen the Father. Jesus the Son is fully revealed, is the full revelation, excuse me, of God the Father. So if any of us want to know what kind of father God might be and how that father might parent, we need to look no further than Jesus and the way Jesus lived his life and the way that Jesus taught. Theologian and philosopher Paul Ricoeur, and that's a French name and I just killed it, but (laughs) Paul Ricoeur says this. He says that father is a dependent title. Think about that. What that means is that there is only a father because there's a family and not the reverse. You can't be a father or mother unless there's family, whether that family is biological or birth family or adopted family or extended family or family, which is friends like family. You can't have a father or mother without the relationship. So with that being said, we can't have God the Father without creating. God can't be God the Father unless there is creator God, which brings us to our second point. I believe in God, creator of heaven and earth. Genesis 1 tells us, our Old Testament passage today, that there was, in fact, a beginning. And in that beginning, God, as creator, created. God spoke and said, let there be, and there was. Do you believe that? Do I? If so, how and why? I've never seen God create the world, have you? And furthermore, scientifically, we cannot prove a one-time event, like creating the universe. It's impossible. So how do we know, and why do we believe? The doctrine of God as creator is more or less central to the Old Testament texts. And it implies God's authority over all of the entire universe, the entire world. Creator God is the visionary, the source from which everything else generates. Creator is a God who takes nothing and creates something. God creates out of nothing. I can't even create out of something. I could have all of the right ingredients, and I still can't make it work. But God creates out of nothing. And he creates something, but not even just any something. God creates a perfectly balanced, ordered creation that is capable of supporting human life. Creator God's pinnacle work in the beginning was to create humankind, male and female. God created humankind in the image of God, created and made out of love and for love and for relationship. And God created, and then he called it good. God created and God 
called it good. So sometimes um, there are people known there's people known as apologists, and these guys are um, and girls are defenders of the faith. Um, they're something like creed lawyers, like they exist to defend Christian beliefs. In I'm going to give you two um, arguments that, th- that apologists often use in defending uh, creator God. Um, there's many more, but there's two, I think, that jump out. Um, and apologists often use what is known as a first cause argument. And the first cause o- argument essentially says that everything in the known universe had to have had a starting point. And if the universe does have a beginning, then there must be something outside of it that brought it into existence. That something, apologists would say, is rather a someone, God. And they reason that because God is eternal, God is not created. God always has been and always will be. God wasn't created. So therefore, God is the being outside of the system who could have started everything else in motion. It all had to have begun somewhere. And so there was a first cause, and God is that first cause. Um, Another argument that apologists use, the second one, is the argument from design. And this simply means that our universe is so finely tuned to support human life that if anything, such as the rate of expansion or the gravitational pull even, was changed ever so slightly at a minuscule level, something that we can't even see, then we would all cease to exist. Human life would cease to exist. That's the argument from design. Um, And there's many more, um, if you want to look those up. But when apologists use these kind of arguments, what they're really doing is blending two things together. They're blending together belief and faith in order to generate these arguments. So I want to talk, as we we, um, close this up, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between belief and faith. So I'm going to put you all on the spot for a minute, just like um, Pastor Michelle did with the children this morning. And I'm going to say, um, you know, can you all just name, like shout out something that you believe? Not even something that you believe in necessarily. So if I start out, I'll say, you know, I believe today is Sunday. You know, what do you believe? You believe in gravity. Absolutely. You you believe it's 10 to 11. That is... A statement in a statement. (laughs) Believe the earth is round. Okay. So are beliefs the same as our faith? What about faith anyway? Faith and belief are certainly related, but they aren't the same thing. Belief in many ways is a product of our mind and our thinking. It's our conditioning. I believe today is Sunday because the calendar tells me so. You believe it's 10 to 11 because the clock told you so. You believe the earth is round because scientists have proven that many, many years ago. So we believe this because we can observe it and see it and prove it in many ways. But faith is not simply a product of our mind. Faith is a product of the spirit. And faith, often seen in the New Testament as the Greek word pistis, is always, always, always a gift from God. It doesn't come from our human abilities, unlike our beliefs often do. And belief and faith do tend to intersect at critical junctures in our life. 
If you or a loved one or or a friend um, have ever had a medical or health emergency, have ever been given a diagnosis, have ever um, had their life all of a sudden change in an instant, we can do all of the research in the world. We can know all of the facts. We can look at the risks. We can look at the benefits. We can understand the statistics. But our beliefs at that juncture aren't really going to do any more than provide us comfort or a lack of comfort in their inorganic, statistical, and non-life-giving form. We can believe because we can observe and see, but that's what our beliefs will do at that juncture. Faith, on the other hand, as some of the songs that were sung earlier um, tell us, faith in its biblical sense is a product of the Spirit, and it's life-giving. It always comes from God and not from ourselves. It can provide comfort in pain and reassurance that we're not alone. I know that was one of the lyrics up there this morning. Faith um, reminds us that God was revealed in Jesus Christ, and if we ever want to know who God is, we only have to look to Jesus. And faith can also provide us a peace that surpasses all understanding or cognitive belief. That's faith. In an article I read this week, it stated that knowing does not create faith. Rather, unknowing does. And I thought about that for a minute, and I was almost tempted to fully believe it. You know, when we don't know things for certain, it does seem, um, to, it does seem that faith has an opportunity in those instances to grow and to take hold. But then I thought about it some more. You know, God as the Father, as the Creator, as the Source, is a God of mystery and a God of relationship. And that God, therefore, provides opportunities for both knowing and unknowing. We can know something about God, but we can't know everything about God. We have beliefs and statements of our faith, but we also need an actual living, breathing, growing faith. We need to embrace the faith as more than a statement of beliefs. And it's interesting then that in our scripture today from John's Gospel, chapter 14, we actually get to see the perfect glimpse of the intersection between belief and faith in that passage. Specifically, we, saw, we hear of Jesus telling, or more so commanding, the disciples, that they, and we today, I would argue, can have faith in him and faith in God the Father and God the Creator because their eyes have seen the Father fully revealed in the Son. Their ears have heard. They walked with him. They talked with him. They ate with him. They broke bread with him. And their hands have touched him. Jesus connects himself to God the Father in our gospel lesson from today. He connects himself to the creator in this passage. And different than other places in the New Testament, John does not choose to use the noun pistis or faith. Instead, over and over and over again in this passage, John uses the action word believe. John 14.1 starts out with an imperative. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then down in verse 10, again we hear Jesus' words, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. This I believe, that God is Father and God is creator of heaven and earth. Let us pray. Holy, eternal, creator God. God, we just thank you, God, for your mystery, God, but we also thank you for revealing yourself to us, Lord. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be your church, God, to hear your gospel, God, and and to put flesh around your good news, God, to be your people in this world. Lord, let us continue to be filled with your presence, God, filled with your hope, God, and we ask, God, that you continue to give us the courage and the perseverance, Lord, um, to be the church in this community. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.